Hey, y'all, this is Ashley, also known as Bored Becky, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. And I'm like, Travi, come on now. Like, you, you got this under control. Hey, Travi, let's effing go. I love your energy. It's so hyped. It's so warm. It's so friendly. Yo, what's up? It's G-Love, and I'm fired up with Travi. This is Danielle Petty, co-founder of the 90s Babes, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and DJs, for the thousands in attendance and the millions listening in podcast land. My name is Travi, and we are fired up on the blockchain. Let's go. Ooh, yes. Welcome back to another episode of Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. My name is Travi, Travi.eth, at Mr. Travis, though, on Twitter. And yes, I will not forget Travi.nft and Travi.crypto. Shout out Unstoppable Domains for that. Anyway, what a crazy, crazy market this has been. Not just because the price of Ethereum or different types of cryptocurrency is down and crab walking sideways for <laughs> basically most of this market. And it got me thinking. I was actually asked a couple of questions on a Twitter space recently and it was how, you know, how's the podcast going and How's everybody doing in terms of, you know, their outlook on the space and stuff like that? And my initial response was, it's actually been really awesome because the people who are in this space right now are the people who are truly down for this cause. Like these are the people who are either really true builders or really true believers um, or people who are getting in and, and trying to get their feet wet and see how they can, you know, have their products sort of I sold in Web3. You've got some really sick one-of-one artists out there. And even some that aren't one-of-one are just doing a really great thing. But it also got me thinking, there are a lot of people who are in this space right now who I speak with kind of regularly who are still really kind of down, like really down in the dumps. And I talked about it in a little bit of a rant on the previous episode about how you can't just disappear if you're on the you know leadership team or something like that of a project. Uh, and I started really thinking there are people and there are projects that really, you know, we're starting to see that, that Gary V thing where he said 98 or 99% of NFT projects are, are not going to last. And we are starting to see that. But what now as somebody who's working inside of the world and talking with different people regularly, it's really interesting to see the thought processes that go on before those people make those decisions. I'm not speaking about anyone specifically, but you definitely are starting to see more people just down about the space, down about what the outcomes are going to be about certain things, and then communicating less and less. But I do have to say this. There are some people who are communicating less because they are working harder behind the scenes. It's really up to us to find out who is who. Like who is that kind of quiet quitter, kind of slow rugger, happy to just disappear? Or who are those people who are picking up that slack and they don't have enough time to come on to Discord and Twitter and tweet all the time and talk about what's going on? Because they know that the next announcement that they do drop is going to be months and months and months of hard work because they were either doing it alone or doing it with their skeleton crew. It's really, really an interesting place to be on the inside of right now. So all I can say is those people that are working hard, those good people in this space, those creative people in this space, those people who I have a lot of respect for, I have even more respect for than I ever did before. And if I had respect for somebody because I trusted them or you trusted them or a community trusted them or whatever to find out, wait a second, what's going on here? And it's too late. It's, it's, it's just like you were cheated on. I mean, it's really a feeling that somebody just kind of left you. Maybe the signs were there. 
you know, maybe you should have been looking through their phone to see who they're messaging or something. Not that that's happened to me, but I'm just saying it's got a crazy feeling, but it also you juxtapose the things, you know, you try to be empathetic and you try to still give respect. And um, there are people right now in this space who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, I do want to shout people out by name. I'm not going to right now. But um, today's episode, Vince Warnock and I are going to talk about having empathy and uh, really avoiding situations that are uh, much easier to make uh, harder for ourselves and maybe harder for other people. And Vince Warnock is you know, very well known OG in the marketing community. He's an author. He's an NFT project founder. He's a daily podcaster. He is doing everything. Uh, and he comes from New Zealand. And we're going to talk a lot about the world and the, the things that kind of made him who he turned out to be and me who I turned out to be. And, um, you know, having empathy now based on past mistakes that you know maybe uh, some of us made in our lives uh, really kind of lead up to that. So we'll get to that conversation with Vince in just a second. There are a few things I do want to talk about. Um, one of Vince's projects is called the Christmas Ninjas. And I just want parents out there, here's a heads up. We do talk about Christmas and we do talk about things that parents tell their kids when they reach a certain age at Christmas time. So if you're a parent and you like to listen to your podcast with your little kids around, maybe don't listen to this one with them around if there's certain things that you don't want them to hear yet about that holiday, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. A couple other things I do want to talk about too um, is understanding. So, you know, one thing I do want you to do is understand a little bit more about me. I'm not an artist, uh, but I do uh, want to share my story. It's called OG, The Journey. And uh, I just made a six-piece AI art collection where it's just really me just telling my story visually. Like I wish I could draw and paint like some of the awesome artists that I love to collect. But I do just want to say this. It's a six piece collection. It goes from the departure uh, to the onslaught, to the survival, to the journey, then the arrival, and then eventually fired up. Um, they're priced between 0.04 and 0.07. And it's really just kind of like my way of, of sharing my story. But what I can say is that whoever purchases any of them will get access to literally everything that comes after. So whether it's a new drop that uh, is a NFT project, uh, you're going to get first crack at that. If merchandise, you're going to get first crack at that, discounted stuff with that. If um, the coin comes out, there's a little alpha for you. Uh, you're going to get you know constant coin drops and stuff like that. So if you know that we've been doing a lot of that with diamond dogs you know that i have a little bit of knowledge on how to how to do that and um all i really want to do is for this one just kind of share my story it's more of like a genesis drop uh to kind of just say like this is who i am this is kind of like my beginning part of my journey and it's really just a fun way before i drop anything larger to hook somebody up the holders up of these with things that come out later so more on that to come that's called og the journey but today, let's stick around for today's Community Spotlight. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Today's Community Spotlight, I have to say, comes from the actual community. These friends of mine have been hitting me up for weeks saying, talk about pride punks. So, Clouds and CB Wag Me. Dennison is the founder of Pride Punks. And Pride Punks have a very proud community. And I want to say why. And I'm just looking right now at their Twitter. And it says diversity and orientation have been core issues that the founder has dealt with personally in his own life. And the project was born in his own personal experience. The project was created as a statement on the lack of both in Web3. No participant in the project today has ever been asked about their background, their orientation, so it's impossible to say what the community composition actually even is. But that said, it's highly unlikely a meaningful portion of the community reflects either of those core concerns. So, Pride Punk's DAO is actually an open organization with inflationary membership. It will be, and is, a new idea around how DAOs are organized. But code cannot fix everything. They have a challenge. Can the raw economic energy of NFT flipping be channeled into an organization that has a focus on embodying a community or allying itself with it? They didn't know. But Web3 right now 
exists at a moment where leaders of large organizations can openly openly deny the existence of entire groups of people and Denison wants to be better. That's the vision of the Pride Punk doubt. And the vision for the secondary organization that he wants to create is for minority entrepreneurs. So on top of that, Pride Punks finds themselves or prides themselves, I should say, on being the original punk derivative back from 2018. So I've put a lot of time and research into this and there's been a lot that have come and gone. But this, according to members of the community, they swear by it. It is a historical project. So not only the original punk's derivative, but they think it might actually be the OG derivative project. And we see how many derivative projects are out now, whether it's a derivative project of an ape or a punk or I don't know, a chick, a lady, anything like that. Uh, This might, might, not saying it is, but what I can say is that the people who are holders of this continue to tell other people to get involved. They are in love with this community um, and there's something just about this community that speaks to their holders uh, in a way that it translated enough to me to want to share that information with you. So do your own research. Check out Pride Punks, the first punk derivative uh, that launched back in 2018. All right. So I'm super fired up today because I have somebody on who is involved in so many things that I actually feel like I'm going to have more questions for him uh, when this is over because I have a lot of things that I'm still learning about public speaking, about hosting podcasts. And this man, Vince Warnock, is an author. Uh, he's a marketing and visibility strategist, a podcaster. Uh, he's founder of a couple of different NFT projects. I am so happy that we're able to work uh, some time out from your schedule. I know it's crazy. And all the way from New Zealand is Vince Warnock. Vince, thank you for coming on to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. How are you? My man, I am looking forward to this. Uh, Anything that you're involved with, you know I want to be involved with. So this is a lot of fun. Absolutely. I remember actually meeting with you a couple of times, not in person, but uh, through different Twitter spaces and things that you were doing. And, um, you know, you always had a bit of a kind of a, a good vibe, you know, and, and that's something where if you're getting on anybody who's listening for the first time and getting involved with NFTs and stuff, there's a whole lot of different vibes out there and many of them are not good. So when yeah. you can find somebody who's kind of on your wavelength, who's got that same energy, you kind of want to start to follow them and see what's going on. And, uh, you know, Vince, I know that we have some mutual friends. So a big shout out to Katie Brinkley. And yeah. um, it's a lot of other people who I know that we've come across. And, and uh, you know, just looking here at your Twitter, got nearly 18,000 followers just on this one account alone. Many of them are people actually in my inner circle, too. But, you know, Vince, I mean, you know, you've been doing so much for so long and you're involved in so many things. And I feel like there's so many things I I really kind of want to ask you about. But let's kind of just get started. Let's talk about some of the things that you have just currently right now, some projects that you're working on. And then let's kind of take a couple steps back and let's figure out how you got there. Let's learn about Vince a little bit. I love the way that you just basically described the fact that I'm old. <laughs> I was like, you've you know been doing what? this for I, so long. But I was yeah. afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> That's actually not what I meant. But no, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. When so when we're talking about like Web three and NFTs, everybody out there who's a, a regular listener knows that it's so fast moving, and so many people have gone yeah. onboarded over like the last year, if not like six months. So to kind of vibe with somebody who's you know has a lot of a foundation in kind of like that Web two and and kind of the other things, and then you bridged the gap and then found yourself in a Web three. That's more along the lines of what I was referring. to. <laughs> I love. I just won you up. I love that. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh man, I'm involved in so many things now uh, in my Web two world and the Web three world. But we'll focus on the Web three world at the moment. Um, the main thing I'm involved with is the Christmas Ninja Project. Um, so this is an NFT series that was born out of a children's book that I wrote like 15 years ago. It's just crazy. Um, but it's kind of it's got to the point where uh, you know I wanted to bring this book to life. I thought, right, I wrote this book. It's part of our family. Culture. 
culture. It's part of our family tradition. It's it's you know rewriting the Christmas story essentially to make it so make it so that it's not just trying to teach kids to behave so they get a reward. It's actually teaching kids and adults that we should aspire to so much more in life. Um, so we we created these values of the Christmas Ninja. We created um, you know honor and kindness and courage, compassion, selflessness, uh, and we want to recognize and reward people. So that was the kind of start of that. It was like right, we want to bring this book to life. Uh, I suck at artwork. I really do. So teamed up with this beautiful artist. Uh, and then that was it. It was the journey to going, hey, actually, we want to do so much more with this. And I'm working all this stuff in the Web3 world and NFTs. How can we combine this? Um, so we brought together, in fact, Katie Brinkley was the next person I brought on board, uh, making sure she came and joined me. Her and I were on very similar journeys around NFTs. We were messaging each other, like DMing each other on Twitter, like daily, just going, have you checked out this project? Have you checked out that project? Oh, my goodness. Have you checked out this utility? That utility? utility uh we were just over excited about it and then i said to her hey katie I'm, I'm putting together an nft series that was the only words i got out the rest of it was she was going i'm in i'm in no no vince i'm in I, i'm i'm bloody well in <laughs> okay okay you're on the project <laughs> so uh so yeah so we're, we're really on a mission with that project to uh, kind of change the world uh, we're using neuroscience to uh, reprogram people's brain through using an nft um and to spread positivity and really to change the way that people perceive other people uh, and perceive the world, essentially. So, yes, yeah, so that's the main thing I'm really involved in at the moment. So, getting back to the story of the Christmas ninjas, I, you know, I know it a little bit because I was, you know, listened to a little bit. I, I know that you were you're minting and uh, you know, you were able to kind of tell your story and get a lot of people from you know the Twitter world and from from the Discord world it was basically a Web three world <laughs> to uh, to come yeah. and listen to it. But one thing I thought was interesting, and you just kind of alluded to it now, is that you know this idea, this kind of spirit of the holiday season, and all all of the things that go along with it, is you know in, in one way or another, like yeah, you're reprogramming repro- like people's brains to be more of like givers, and I feel like for so yeah. often, like so so many of us. Uh, we get to that realization down the road. Like sometimes when you have to have kids, uh, a lot of, you know, and you don't realize it before you have kids, like when you're young, because you just kind of get this expectation that like, you know, I was good. So I deserve this thing. But a lot of the, the young people don't realize that there's a lot of young people out there who don't, you know, don't always get and don't always receive around the holidays. And I really, can you tell a little bit more about the Christmas ninjas kind of story? Because I really kind of like the spirit of of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the, the, the whole concept behind it, um, as I said, was, you know, it came from that children's book. And really, it came from trying to tell my son about Santa Claus. He was four years old at the time. He's our youngest. And he just looked at me and went, nah. And, and he had that look on his face of, do you think I'm an idiot? Like, there's no way that's real. So we, we just had to tell him the truth. And I said to him, look, you know, Christmas is just something, or Santa Claus is just something that parents made up to make their kids behave. And and that made me really uncomfortable. I mean, first of all, it made him turn around and go, hey, Dad, if you're going to make up stories, make them interesting and put – and you see him, like, you know, scouring his brain just going, put put ninjas in them. And I went, oh, my God, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Um, but then the other part of it was really around how uncomfortable it made me to say to him, look, if you behave yourself, you'll get on the nice list or you'll be rewarded. And then I realized that's not just a culture we teach our kids. That's a culture we teach ourselves as well. If you look at corporate world, I hate corporate world, but if you look at the corporate world, um, we really say to people, if you toe the line, if you do what you're told, like do what you, you know, as kids, you do what your parents and your teachers tell you, but as employees, you do what your employers, what your leaders tell you. And if you do that, you'll be rewarded for it. So, so we put together this story where we combined all the, all the Christmas stories. We had little baby Jesus in the manger. You got the wise men coming down to see him and you got the Christmas ninja stealthily following them until she gets to the manger and has to defend baby Jesus from an assassination attempt from Santa and his evil ninja elf clan. So long story short, massive battle. Santa and the elves get defeated. They get banished to the North Pole. And as penance once a year, they have to deliver presents to all the kids. But then the Christmas ninja goes off on her new journey. Now that she's completed a mission, she goes off and roams the land looking for people that demonstrate the best in humanity. And those are those traits I talked about, which is they demonstrate honor or kindness, courage or compassion or selflessness. 
where she finds these people, she deems them worthy, bestows upon them a gift, and then they become a Christmas ninja. And that started our family tradition, uh, where every year we would pick people that we think demonstrate the best in humanity, demonstrate these traits. We would, at Christmas time, each of us would have one person each that we've picked. We would uh, get them an anonymous gift from the Christmas ninja and have the story in there and everything. And on Christmas morning, we'd have to open one present each and then jump in the car, race out, and go and deliver these presents. And early on, by the way, early on, we would dress fully in black because we thought it was kind of cool. But I'm in New Zealand. It's summertime at Christmas, and we just about died of heat exhaustion one year. So we're like, okay, we're not doing that again. Um, but we, we would go out and give, deliver these gifts. And over the last 15 years, uh, one of the things that we saw had happened was uh, it started to grow. And we would come across people here in New Zealand that said, I got this gift from the Christmas Ninja. And I'm looking at this person telling me it going, I have no idea who this is. We didn't give this person a gift. Then we discover people in the US, Canada, the UK, all over the world that have had the same kind of experience where the Christmas Ninjas delivered a present to them. So we realized that people were picking this up and running with it. Um, so that was what kind of really inspired me after 15 years to go, okay, I need this book to be published now. Uh, I actually have a publishing company, so I don't know why I'd never done it before. Um, so teamed up with that artist to bring it to life. But the other thing I realized is that over that 15 years, it, it had a profound impact on my family. And, and this was really summarized recently when uh, my son had something happen to him at university. Um, someone there was particularly nasty. They were lashing out at a bunch of others, um, you know, just degrading them and, and just being horrible to them and everything. And as a father, you immediately get defensive. And you're like, what a dick. How dare they treat you like that? My son turned around to me. He goes, yeah, but dad, you don't know what's going on in their life. He said, you don't know what kind of stress he's under. I mean, think about the pandemic, the lockdown. We've been in two and a half years in lockdown here in New Zealand. That has an effect on people. Maybe we should show him some grace. And I'm looking at this 19-year-old going, how the hell did you get so wise? And then, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I teach you that kind of stuff. Don't you lecture me? And he goes, well, maybe you need to remember it, Dan. And I went, oh, touche. Um, so, but it really has rewired our brains. And it's helped us to see other people in a different light. Because, And it makes sense. Like If you understand neuroscience... You understand you have this thing called the reticular activating system, right? It's a part of your brain that filters out and in all of the information. So it's basically assessing a bombardment of sensors and information and data that goes into your brain. It's got dealing with all of this going, which of this information is important for me to survive or to thrive? And that information, it will pass through into your actual conscious brain. The rest of that, it just ignores. And a good example is if you're walking down the street, how much input and information is constantly bombarding you. Well, when you're constantly and consistently looking for the good in other people, then your brain goes, ah, so this is relevant information for me. I'm going to show you it everywhere. And it doesn't just show you it in the people that you're surrounded with, the people you're friends with. It will show you it in people that you may have a different political or religious belief to, or you may have a different worldview of. It will show you the potential and the goodness in everyone. And we kind of think, that's desperately what this world needs right now. Uh, it needs people to actually take some time to put themselves in other people's shoes, to recognize what makes humanity great. And we, we often forget about that as well. You know, we've got wars and political upheaval and all the pandemic stuff that's going on. Everything around the world's a little bit tense and a little bit crazy. We can kind of lose sight of the fact that humans are actually quite amazing. Like humanity as a, as a whole is incredible. So let's remind ourselves of that and see the goodness in other people. Um, and then, then we thought, right, let's even take it further. So, yeah, it's been so much fun. Yeah, no, I want to hear more. A couple things you said in there specifically about kind of having empathy and, and kind of giving yeah. other people grace. It's really something that I think about a lot because, you know, you were somebody who came up in conversation with Katie because my whole goal for this podcast is to bring people on who are going to positively yeah. influence the space and positively influence others um, and not, you know, not just come on to – to shill a, a project because, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of people reach out to me to come on to talk about their projects, but it, it's really about the yeah. people behind the projects. And those are the ones I want to, I want to yeah. talk about. But when we talk about, and we've said this before in, in our lives, like don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Yeah. Like that's a, that's kind of a common phrase, but it's actually a lot more difficult in many ways to yeah. actually be kind than it is to actually be like mean and be tough. And I could tell you this specifically just from like, forget other walks of life, but like from the NFT space being as forgiving as I can when I think that somebody maybe needs to be a little bit more vocal to towards their community, um, if they're a founder or even other people who are, you know, judging a project a little bit like, all right, just let's, let's kind of just see like maybe that person is just, you know, 
having a bad day or sick or like out of town and maybe they'll come back. But I have to tell you, like, especially as more people start to pile on and ask certain questions for you to kind of really hold, hold that ground and, and stay true to like that. I call it like that one love mentality because you really just want everybody to succeed. What, what I'm not, what I'm starting to kind of see falling apart is that all the people who are shouting from the rooftops, like, wag me, wag me, wag me, just a few months back, are now starting yeah. to say, like, just burn it all down, burn it all down. And I think, yeah. and I even think back to, like, to when I was younger and I was a kid growing up, like, I don't know if it was really big in um, where you grew up, but, like, um, watching wrestling was, like, a, a, a big oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, on, on television. Yeah, man. We, we had on the mat here, but I still remember seeing uh, Ric Flair back in 1984, man. That's shown my age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the reason I bring up the wrestling is because, like, if you ever see any of them in, in an interview, they always said it was always easier to play the bad guy. Like, it was always yeah. more fun. It was like I could just kind of, like – you pull back on the fact that I'm tired or I'm cranky or I didn't get my workout in or my, you know, my diet's not going great on the road. And then whenever it was a good guy, it was like a lot harder for them to sort of maintain like that smile. And for so many of us, it does take a bit of like a rewiring, as you mentioned. So, yeah. you know, I, and, and we can, we can get philosophical. I'm, I'm sure oh, like man, even I, more deeply, but yeah. when, you know, when, you told I, I'm just kind of curious. Like I've had conversations. I was a school teacher. I worked with kids with special needs and stuff for a long time. So, whenever a, a student in school would try to say something about you know the the Christmas story and things like that to other students, like I always kind of had. I didn't go out of my way to like to prepare an answer for them, but I found something that I thought really relates to kind of what you're saying. And that's really that, that spirit of kind of paying it forward, the spirit of not just the holidays, but I always, like I just said, like I pull back on that, that one love thing or that golden rule or whichever other way you want to describe it. And it's really nice to see that not only did that stem from conversation you had at home, but then you got to also see your son, you know, become wise through, through all of that. And now you're, now you're kind of putting it into books and web three and all kinds of fun stuff. Well, I, I mean, I, I, a lot of this for me has come from my own personal experiences, um, particularly as a kid. So I'm um, going to get a little dark for a moment here, but um, I grew up in a horrible environment. I grew up in a really abusive household. Um, my dad was a drug addict. My mum was alcoholic. Um, I had no, like, no support. Basically, my entire childhood was just abuse. The only happy place for me was school. And that was a place where I could lower my defenses. You know, there was a place where if I stood out, I wasn't beaten. So it was a safe place. That happened until the age of 11. And here in New Zealand, we have a transitional school called Intermediate, right? It's for age 11 and 12, um, between what we call primary and then high school. And when I was age 11, I went to, you know, this intermediate school and I discovered a bully, a bully at school. So now I had a bully at home and a bully at school. I had no safe space whatsoever. So life was genuinely miserable. And, and I'm not kidding when I say, like, this makes me sound quite crazy, but there was a point there where I, I was just really hoping, I was a massive Star Wars fan, I'm really hoping that uh, aliens would come down and go, guess what, you're not actually from this planet. The reason you feel like you don't fit in all the time is because actually you're an alien and you're destined to save the galaxy. Come with us, you know? So I really wanted so much more. But, um, but I, he made, this bully made my life hell for two years. And uh, I it got to the end of Intermediate and discovered he was going to a different high school to me. Greatest moment of my life. I'm like, yes, I'm finally free. Uh, so I went to my high school, but I was also sick to death of um, feeling like a, a punching bag for people. So I decided I was going to learn to defend myself. So for most of my high school years, I trained in martial arts, I trained in boxing, um, and got relatively good to the point I could defend myself, certainly. Uh, and then at age 17, my last year of high school, um, this guy got transferred to my school. And I'm like, hello. Like, this is, you know, I've seen every 80s movie, man. I know how this plays out. I know exactly what happens here. The, the underdog, me, comes out on top finally. The bully, him, finally gets his comeuppance. Um, so I remember him wandering past, and I yelled a few expletives at him, you know, as you do when you're 17. He turns around, he took a swing at me, and I'm like, ha, 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 nope. Took another swing at me, and I'm like, ha, ha, the, everything's changed now. You know, I'm in the, I've got the upper hand. And then I, and by the way, I'm not a violent person, but I laid him out. I hit him, he went down like a light, he was out cold, and I thought I was going to feel great, but I didn't. I felt horrible. And next thing you know, I'm in the principal's office, and you know, as you do when you fight. 
And the principal pulled me aside and asked me if I knew why he had been transferred to the school. And I said, well, I don't care. You know, I'm trying to be staunch. I'm a 17-year-old. No, I don't care. And he goes, well, I think you should care. And he said, the reason he got transferred here is because his father um, basically had been beating him, his mother, and his daughter, and his sister, rather, um, for their entire childhood. Ever since he was a toddler, he'd been beaten. And the father eventually beat the mother so badly in front of the two kids that she lost her life. So essentially the dad murdered the mum. And now the dad's gone to jail, which is great. And the two kids have gone to live with an auntie and uncle who live near the school. And that's why they transferred here. And I remember my stomach sinking, man. And I just said, well, I, I didn't know that. And the principal, who's an amazing guy, he just turned around and said, no, and I wouldn't expect you to know that. But I would have thought of all the people that could possibly have understood what he's gone through, you might have been the one. And that's what made me realize a few things. First of all, the 80s movies lied to us. Like, seriously, hate 80s movies now. They definitely lied. There's, there, none of that was true at all. Um, but the other thing I realized was that I wasn't the hero of the story. I was the villain. I was the one guy that had a chance to be there for someone else and never even took the time to understand what was going on in his world, what he might have been going through. Um, and I'd love to say that I turned around, and we became best friends and all that. It didn't happen. You know? um, but it did It did two things to me. It really shifted my perspective for other people. And it made me realize I need to share that with others as well. And that was why it was important for me to teach my kids that. It was important for me to constantly remind myself of that. And one of the things I do to help with that, and I think this is something that we should probably all be doing in the Web3 space, is um, I have a concept called an impact list. And it's just a list that I write down of everybody that I impact in the Web 2 world, Web 3 world. Heck, I've even got my neighbor on there, you know, because um, it was raining, pouring down with rain one day and the neighbor had uh, dislocated a hip. And I, th- I saw the bins there and I thought, oh, man, he's going to struggle. He's going to slip over. Oh, I'll take them out for him. So I took the bins out. Didn't think anything of it, but it meant a lot to him. And he came over and he was telling me all about it. And he was like, thank you so much. So I write all these people down on this impact list. And the reason I do this is, and you, by the way, when you start doing that, you're only going to think of like two or three people, but keep adding to it consistently, write down who it is, what you did for them, what the outcome was, or what the challenge they had was, and how you helped them overcome it. And the reason you're doing this, and particularly in the Web3 space, is because when you're having a bad day, or you're tired, or you're hungry, or things are stressful, or whatever, when you go back to that list, that's going to remind you why you're doing what you're doing. But it's also going to remind you that behind every project that's pissed you off, every project that's rugged, every project where things haven't gone the way that you thought, there are actually human beings behind that. And yes, there are some bad seeds out there and some bad players who do dodgy things, but the majority of people are not dodgy. The majority of people are not bad. So actually reminding yourself that people are awesome, uh, it really does help you to keep a positive spin. Vince, you talked about how there was something that happened in the past and that you were the villain in that story, but you know, really your story is still being written. And that's something that I feel like a lot of us have trouble with, like including yeah. myself. Like I can think back as well to things that happened when I was younger or, you know, situations I should have walked away from and stuff like that. And think back to it. And I'm just, you know, because that in itself, the memory has a beginning and has an end. And we forget so often that it's really just, Maybe not even a whole page of, yeah. of our own story. And then I think back to something that literally happened yesterday when I went to pick up yeah. my daughter from daycare and I'm putting her in the car and somebody had parked too close to me and they were, I don't know if they were in a rush or something, but they were trying to close the door literally on me as I'm putting my daughter in the car. I said something and then they did it again. They're literally pushing it. <laughs> and so, you know, after the third time I got loud with them and then they, uh, they backed away and apologized and whatever. And I'm just like, all right, like who knows what could have happened? You know, if this was quite some time ago, like who knows? Cause I'm thinking about, I'm looking at them yeah. and the, the person's looking like, like it's almost like, like even though I told them three times to stop pushing my own car door on me, um, when I actually brought it up, they seemed like surprised or yeah. something that it was actually happening. Like they were, their head was somewhere else. So like immediately I'm like, Oh, you know, okay. Trying to be empathetic, like in, in, in a split second, because yeah. I'm thinking, what would the old of old me have done? And now the new me with, you know, with, with my daughter in the car, but however, had they pushed the door on her, it would have probably ended a little bit differently. But oh, yeah, the point is, <laughs> the point is we always now, like we always have control as long as we, have that sort of mentality that we still have control. 
Because once yeah, you yeah, give totally. it away, you're, who, yeah. are, who are you giving it away to? Like you mentioned, with the, the I could I could be talking about a, a rugged project for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or I can learn from that mistake and try to do a little bit more research the next time and figure out who the founders are. Yeah. So, yeah, not to go down any any rabbit holes of Vince <laughs> and my uh, <laughs> ex-violent tendencies. We're both yeah. very good people now. Yes. But um, you know, but Vince is actually doing a lot of really good things. So, Vince, you know, you talked, uh, you know, about obviously a story with your son, uh, and you talked about things that happened when you were younger that kind of gave you a little bit of that foundation. Yeah. To spread this kind of good vibes, spread this kind of positive awareness. So you know, what, what do you think kind of bridged a little bit, but from, you know, you, your son and your, and your mentality and, and your, you know, shifting to kind of the, the positive mindset and all the things, and then eventually kind of heading over to finally, you know, putting some things on the blockchain. Yeah. And now, by the way, Vince is actually selling some golden tickets to some, some projects that are coming out yeah. uh, and are currently out right now. So really cool stuff that Vince is working on. So what do you think, Vince? Well, for me, I mean, I'll, I'll take you back very quickly, but I, I've got, so in my past, my, my kind of working past, you know, um, I've done many things. I've been a radio announcer on one of our top radio stations here. I've created and sold a number of businesses, created and failed some early on as well, um, and kind of always gone in between corporate and startup world, you know. And I just come off the back of selling my largest startup. Uh, there was a multi-eight-figure exit after like three and a half years of a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Um, but left there to join the team at Signal Insurance, and I became the chief marketing officer there. And I can tell you now that on paper, that is the dream job. You know, uh, the pay was ridiculous, like the bonuses. I'm talking, these are the kind of bonuses where you go, oh, I might buy another house or, you know, like it's ridiculous. Um, I got to work on some amazing projects, got the recognition, got the results as well. I doubled the revenue of a Fortune 100 company in like five years, which is ridiculous. Um, and then got the recognition for that. So published my first book when I'm there, traveled the world speaking on stages, got recognized by Adobe as one of the top 50 marketers in the world. All of these things were incredible. And I'm sitting in my office and I, I remember looking out of the window. I was in one of the top floors of our biggest building here in Wellington. And I looked out of the window and realized I'm miserable. And I hated my job. And I felt really guilty and really ashamed of that because I know that most marketing professionals would kill for that job. It is the epitome of what you can achieve in the marketing world. And I didn't want it. And what I had to understand about myself was um, the money wasn't that important. Money money comes and money goes. Like, honestly, it's pretty easy to make money if you if you stay confident and positive and optimistic and, and you know what you're doing. Um, it wasn't about the money or the opportunities or any of these kind of things. It really was about the fact that I need to be helping people. I need to be at the forefront of where I'm impacting others. And I wasn't doing that there. When you're in that level of role in a Fortune 100 company, you treat people like they're a data point or a dollar sign. And that didn't sit well with me. So, so I made the easiest hard decision ever to leave. And the goal was I was going to leave there. Actually, the goal originally was I'm going to leave there and become a full-time author. I'm like, right, I'm going to write my next book. And it's going to be, I have ADHD, very severe ADHD. There's no way writing a book full-time works. Like I was going mental after a week. So that then quickly merged into me launching my podcast, uh, becoming a marketing and visibility coach, helping people to get, you know, uh, basically grow their businesses in the Web2 world. But one of the things I really missed through all of that is some of the technology that we worked with at Signet. So we were doing some pretty advanced projects. I still can't talk about some of those. I'm still under NDA, but they were on the blockchain and with AI. And I'm like, man, the potential for the blockchain and entrepreneurs is incredible. And I, I have such a soft spot for entrepreneurs. You know, I've been one my whole life. So I was like, right, I need to bridge that gap for other entrepreneurs. So I was helping a lot of my clients to understand, you know, the blockchain. And then, of course, NFTs came out, and I remember seeing Board Ape Yacht Club. I'm like, oh, these are ugly. I don't, I don't want those. <laughs> Someone else can have those. Really regret that decision, I tell you now. <laughs> so, um, but I remember, like, just seeing NFTs and understanding the smart contract aspect and the, the tokenization of this and realizing this is a massive opportunity for businesses, not-for-profits, charities. There's so many things that we can do that are going to make the world a better place through this. Uh, and that's what kind of led me to going, oh, actually, 
I can do my own thing as well, you know, like uh, the best way to help other people is to do it yourself, learn from that, and then showcase to them the right way and the wrong way to do it. And you learn, as you know, NFTs are, you know, it's one of the few spaces in the world where you can come across a expert in NFTs and you're like, oh, how long have you been in the industry? They go, oh, six months. You're like, well, okay, you're not actually an expert, but it's so new. So the, everything is shifting every five minutes. So you need to learn all of that and then be able to pass that on to your clients as well. So that was the kind of transition into where I am now. But even through that, like with the Christmas Ninjas, we've learned so many different things. We set up a, a second um, uh, NFT series called the Country Club. And this is one that you can't buy, by the way. No one can buy this, unless you buy it on the secondary market. But I think that everyone's holding on to it, so you can't really sell. Um, you can't really buy it there. But essentially, it is a book club for entrepreneurs. So there's a Discord server where when you've got a country club NFT, you get access to free books every two weeks. Like we just put a new ebook in there from some of you know, the people through my publishing company, through some of the partner companies I work with and things as well. Uh, books that are really going to help you as an entrepreneur. But we set that up to help people to enter into the NFT space. So you can't buy them, you earn them. And the way you earn them is by learning about NFTs. So Katie and I set up a, a five-day challenge where we would take people through, hold their hand through setting up a MetaMask wallet, hold their hand through understanding the different blockchains and how they work and how you can bring NFTs to life for your business, how you keep safe in the space, how to use Discord. Oh, that one's stressful. Uh, and then at the end of it, we give them a free NFT. So we set that up. Now, we learned a lot through that process and realized that even that is too much of an effort for a lot of people. So we need a more simpler way of onboarding new people into this space. But then we, we minted our first collection, which is our Genesis collection, and we put that out there as, you know, it's about 0.15 ETH. It was actually on the Polygon network, and it did not go the way that we anticipated as soon as we launched was basically exactly when the crash happened. Um, so all of a sudden, we had two challenges. One of them was getting people used to the Polygon network. Um, and there was a lot of onboarding issues with that. So we made the decision, all future uh, collections are in ETH. But then the other challenge that we had was people were saying it's too expensive. It's 0.15 ETH. That's a lot of money. And that made me realize two things. One, um, we haven't explained their value well enough to them because if they understood the value, that money wouldn't be an object there. But the other thing we realized is also with the bear market and with people with volatility and everything, no one wants to buy in at that level. So we adapted, we, we moved on and we said, okay, let's launch the golden ticket. These are only 0.01 ETH. Every 100 that are minted, we give away 10 prizes. So we choose 10 from that 100 and we go, right, you're going to win. Five of you are going to win the Genesis Ninja, which is you know worth over 200 bucks. Um, five of you are going to win, win free mints in our main collection. Plus, hold on to these. We've got monthly prize draws. We've got additional traits and rewards. It's basically their access, their golden ticket into the Christmas Ninja universe. So this is the thing that we're learning as we go through these projects is you need to adapt. You need to be very fluid, be very agile and learn from your audience. Um, so one of the other things for me was uh, I understood that, you know, one of the one of the kind of core pillars of the Christmas Ninjas is about becoming better people. Right. It's about inspiring people and helping them to aspire to be better uh, through demonstrating those traits. So we set up the Ninja Academy. And this is all about teaching people, basically bringing in some of the experts that I interview in my normal day job, you know, as a, as a host of the Chasing the Insights podcast. I bring in all the experts into there to teach our ninjas how to, you know, how to be, uh, how to deal with anxiety and stress or how to build resilience, how to deal with imposter syndrome, all the different things that are going to help them to be more courageous, compassionate, kind, selfless, et cetera. So I thought that's going to be a really good value proposition because everyone that hears that, they go, oh, that's awesome. I get ex ex access to all of these experts, but still it wasn't enough for a lot of them to make that transition and purchase. So then we thought, well, let's find out what's important to them. So now we're launching our other pillar, which is entertainment. So as well as getting the book, we're now launching a merchandise line because, you know, people want to wear the Christmas Ninja on them. It's a beautiful design. Uh, so we've got all these different designs of, you know, T-shirts and hoodies and footwear and all these kind of things that we're doing. So, so really it is just about being as adaptive as possible, but you've got to listen to your audience. You really do. Yeah, being adaptive as possible, listening to your audience, but also listening to kind of the mission of what brought you there in the first place. And I th thinking back to what you said, you know, I, my friend, I think you and I have so many commonalities. And one specifically is like this, the, the idea around kind of being happy, making money, those things. Like I remember even, you know, I worked 
for a company that I was so happy to work for. I was like working on these like marketing promotion things in, in Manhattan. But prior to that, like I had always like worked with kids and I always liked helping members of my community. And, you know, I was like a little younger and stuff. So I was just like, you know what? If I ever want to come back to this kind of a job, I can come back to it. I went to there and I was, I kind of gave up, you know, the money I was making to go and, and work. And then I obviously became a full-time teacher for a long time. And then I'm like chasing like this. We have, um, I'm not sure if it's the same in New Zealand, but we have like teaching, like a guide, like, you know how much you're going to make each year. And so you can make more if you, same thing in private sectors, I guess. If you leave one company and go to another, you could kind of work your way a little bit quicker up the chain there. And then like eventually I finally get to a point where I had been trying to get to for so long in terms of money. And then the way the education system looks at our at the kids, so many of them as data points, whether it's because yeah. of testing and, and, and just so many things dropping on these kids' heads from the state level or, or whatever. And then I just said, you know what, like you could you could pay you could give me a lot more money, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a part of this machine. Yep. Because what I found was as much as I loved making a difference in these kids' lives, I you know, it was I had my own babies at home too yeah. now. And it was it was taking everything, every every bit of sanity I had to like watch what was happening to the school and uh, the things that they were making us teach or not letting us teach and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm stressing myself out too much that I'm actually like not as good at this job as I would be. Uh, so let me be good at some other things that really matter. And that's to be yeah. a better person overall. So sometimes you have to shed some of that stuff, whether it's it's going to you know make you more money. But happiness is, is really something that you have to kind of figure out. And I think it's funny because, you know, you and I having you know, kind of different walks of life in terms of our, our past jobs. But now we find ourselves both here yeah. kind of celebrating this Web3 space. Come on, who doesn't love a good cliffhanger? So on the next episode, we're going to hear a little bit more about what Vince has going on right now and how you can be a part of the Vince Warnock ecosystem and really get on board with a really good person. So I know we got a little bit deep there. We got a little bit back to the past in order to kind of go back to the future. Uh, But that's sometimes what you got to do in this crazy, mixed up, kind of nerdy, kind of cool, brand new world of NFTs and Web3. But hopefully you're finding a place that you can call home, whether you're happy in an NFT community or you've made a couple flips, a couple purchases that have made you happy, um, you know, or you're holding on to something that has uh, done some some really good things. So uh, one you know company that I can say is doing some really good stuff, actually, uh, is 90s Babes. I love what 90s Babes is doing. Once they officially sold out, they went right to work setting up their DAO coming up with a whole lot of things that the community is going to be able to vote on uh, maybe even get some rewards based on how the the community actually does with moving forward I mean the partnerships that they have um, there's a lot of cool stuff if you haven't checked out the 90s babes I highly recommend uh, getting involved with with the 90s babes and obviously you know I know Vince we didn't talk about it during this episode Vince is a proud diamond dog holder as well diamond dog is actually an official partner uh, of mine with the podcast I'm happy to make that announcement uh, officially <laughs> formally uh, so today's uh, secret word is going to be partnership so if you DM me on Twitter and you uh, say the word partnership and you heard it on the podcast you will be entered to win a Diamond Dog NFT. So I know some people are still waiting for prizes to have been delivered. There was a snag at the UPS store. Um, not going to go into detail. Let's just say it's a one-man shop and he moves very, very slowly. But we've got some merch going out um, and we've also got some uh, Diamond Dog NFTs uh, going out. So really cool, really excited to see that. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that is really exciting to be able to kind of give some partnership stuff over to you. So uh, a couple other things, too, as I sort of alluded to at the beginning, that um, there will be merchandise available. I'm not trying to make money off of you. I'm just trying to sort of spread this fired up kind of one love mentality so uh, whether it's a very low price to cover offset some costs or uh, give you a claim or something like that um, if you're listening to this there's good chance that you're going to be getting in at the earliest possible and lowest possible price um 
One other thing I just want to remind is that um, OG The Journey is my AI art uh, <laughs> collection. There's only six pieces. Uh, the computer uh, is the artist on this one. I just sort of gave it some things to do and uh, edited it a bunch of times. I know that not everybody's into the AI art, and I totally respect and understand that. Um, it is my way of sharing my story from uh, the beginning uh, of my departure of where I was to my eventual arrival and uh, the start of Fired Up, which is kind of where we are now. So uh, as each piece sells, a little bit more of the story will actually be told. So big shout out to my man Jay Thorne, the very first uh, holder uh, in that collection. So Jay Thorne is going to get himself uh, keys to everything that comes out from future NFT collections to merchandise to coins. Uh, there's a lot of things um, I'm going to under promise, uh, but I'm just telling you this is my story. Uh, so I have no other uh, reason than to over deliver for you being a part of, of my journey along with me. So as each piece sells, you'll hear a little bit more of the story. Now just hang out, relax, and enjoy today's NFT Uterine Session. Hey, 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 it's time for school. Yes, it's time for school. Today we're going to talk about the term probably nothing. <laughs> so it's it was actually an ironic term to actually mean actually something. Uh, it's It really means like if something's doing really, really, really well, Obviously, people in the the mainstream world uh, who don't take crypto or NFT seriously don't really think anything of it. So you just kind of say, "Yeah, it's probably nothing." Yeah, we're we're trending number one on OpenSea. Probably nothing. We you know got bought out by this you know <laughs> this giant company that's you know billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, it's probably nothing. It's just something that people say. Um, but now what you see are uh, shillfluencers or cash grab influencers using probably nothing to create FOMO, uh, where it actually might be nothing. Um, and that's sort of now something you have to decipher through. So D-Y-O-R or D-Y-O-D-R, as, as my buddy says. Uh, so do your own research. Figure out who the people are who are pumping uh, whatever the thing is. So um, if I say probably nothing, then I'm probably telling my quote unquote normie friends or people who are not collectors of anything related to NFT or crypto um, in a very sarcastic way. Like, yeah, it's, it's probably nothing. I mean, I, I bought Bitcoin at 100 bucks. It's 65 thousand now it's it's probably nothing uh so that's how uh i usually would use it but yes you do see people uh kind of ironically using it ironically almost like uh uh not really the proper way so anyway this whole uh nft uterine session is probably nothing yeah, so thanks for hanging out today. We've got a really great interview with Vince today. Uh, second half of this interview is going to be on the next episode on part two. Great guy. We get a little bit deep, as I said, talk about a lot of stuff, but it all comes back around to Web3 and NFTs. And uh, if you know, if you've enjoyed this conversation or if you're one of the people who maybe missed out a little bit earlier on the secret word and how you could get a, an NFT dropped to your wallet, you might want to rewind that. But it is always awesome to hear from you. I've got some great interviews lined up. I'm really excited to drop some more. Uh, keep on reaching out to me at Mr. Travis, though, on Twitter. I've always got your back, so any questions you have, I will do my best to answer them for you in this crazy, mixed up, kind of nerdy, kind of cool Brand new world of NFTs and Web3. The countdown is on to NFT London. Can't wait to see some of my very good friends there. And I just got word that I might be speaking in Miami at the end of November slash early part of December. Hopefully I can see my friends from the last episode, Becky and Liz, and uh, maybe even get to hang out with some of our other uh, Web3 friends and bring it all back to IRL. And, and that's what it's all about here as I do what I always try to do best. And that's bring one love to Web3. I'll catch you next time. Peace. Oh.